Welcome in one, welcome in all. We are broadcasting live on this particularly beautiful day. It is gorgeous down here today. We are live. We're at the Harley-Davidson Museum in uh, Milwaukee. And uh, you couldn't ask for much better weather than this. It is picture perfect down here today. You got a little breeze. It's about, uh, right now, if I'm not mistaken, over in the the side over there, it's 74 degrees. So 74 degrees little bit of a breeze, sunshine, and it is absolutely awesome. And we're kicking off the HDQ weekend, uh, which culminates with the motorcycle ride, leaving here on Sunday morning at promptly at 11 a.m., and we want you to be a part of it. So please, I know I've been flashing it all day, uh, but please, if you haven't been signed up for the motorcycle ride yet, yes, the morning of will take registration. Absolutely, you can come down and register. But uh, we really try to push the pre-registration because the weather's going to be perfect. So please come down and join us. You can get registered simply by going to Facebook.com slash BigUnitPokerRun, Facebook.com slash BigUnitPokerRun, and uh, you can join us on the motorcycle ride. But the registration on site uh, begins at 8 a.m. It's only 25 bucks per rider uh, at the HD Museum, which is 400 West Canal Street. And then, again, kickstands up at 11 a.m. So please, please, please come out and join us. It's going to be a spectacular, spectacular day. Great weather. Uh, uh, Mid-90s, I think, uh, low 90s, mid-90s on Sunday. And a sunny sky. So it's going to be just perfect. Perfect. Um, We were talking a little bit about earlier about uh, two things. One being the, uh, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers losing two out of three to the Cubs and uh, the, the heartbreaker the other night with Corbin Burns on the hill in which they lost one to nothing. The Cubs played at a run in the first inning and neither team was able to do anything after that, basically wasting a really solid outing. And then Woodruff yesterday, decent outing from him. Uh, Brewers couldn't play enough runs in that contest. Either two runs over those two games total and the Brewers lose again yesterday. And instead of being able to put the nail in the coffin of the Chicago Cubs, they now stare uh, squarely at the Cubs in the rearview mirror, who are only three games back in the standings. And I had said at the time, I thought if the Brewers could get up six games, it's over. I just didn't think the Cubs would be able to come back. But now with only three uh, games separating the f- top spot with the Brewers and the Cubs, what you hope for is that the Brewers are able to put some more distance between themselves and the Cubs before it comes down to that final series coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, at American Family Field uh, when the Cubs come to town for a three-game series. And I, I just I, I just got this bad juju in my head that uh, if the Cubs come to town down only a couple of games and they infiltrate American Family Field via the Wrigley North aspect and just it gets crazy and loud and it, it'll be a playoff-type atmosphere, but these are atmospheres the Brewers have not done well in this season um, uh, um, consistently. So uh, just it, losing those, losing one of those, losing two out of three to the Cubs makes me nervous. Instead of sitting here at four or five games over uh, and having a commanding lead now with three games, it, uh, it, it I have to admit it makes me more than a little bit nervous. Also, talking Packers football, Packers uh, continually manipulating the roster, a little bit short over at the safety position, the tight end position they've added to. But I, 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 I still, you know, you obviously have your two rookies, but then your veteran presence is Josiah Aguara, who is kind of a Swiss Army knife that really doesn't fit into anything. And it, it's, that's, you know, you, you're, you're going to be relying heavily upon your rookies. There's no doubt about that. And you want them to grow into that position, but you just don't have that, that you know, that big dog mentality that, that Mercedes Lewis brought. You don't have that knowledge. You, you don't have that right now. So that experience 
that whole unit, uh, that whole offensive unit, short of the offensive line and the running backs, is is extremely um, young when it comes to total overall snaps in the National Football League. And that's a that's a that's a concern, no doubt about it. Uh, you can find us in many different facets. Over on the live stream, you can follow us on YouTube, follow us on Facebook, Twitch TV, Kick TV, uh, over with the, uh, via the link that posted earlier over on Twitter, and, and track us down on the live stream. And we'll be happy to get all your comments in. You can hit us up, uh, email thebillmichaels at gmail dot com, thebillmichaels at gmail dot com, and uh, so many other uh, ways to get a hold of the program. Even over on Twitter, you can do that as well um we got matt lafleur coming up here in just a couple of minutes so hang in there for that um so i, I want to get into all of that stuff and then uh we got paul charchian coming up a little bit later on today uh so that's coming up today as well uh by the way and i mentioned this earlier so the uh, i mentioned that anthony richardson the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, there was this TikTok out there. Now, Grant, you found this. We were talking about this, that this guy claims that Richardson's ducking out of practice and concentrating on his side hustle, which is he wants to be a full-time rapper. I saw a TikTok. I think I must have found the one you were talking about where the guy w- was saying that the Colts let him go a little bit early every night, and he goes and he, he works on his rhyme book. He's, he's just stacking up bars. He's writing down lyrics. I, I don't know. It's TikTok, but you never know what's real and, and what's right? not. It's an interesting story, though, for sure. Right. Yeah. So, the yeah, that, that's the rumor that's floating around out there. That Anthony, And I would assume that, you know, hey, next week when Anthony Richardson has to take the, the to the podium or, you know, meets with the media, uh, it's got to be one of the questions, right? Somebody down there has to find it. Somebody's got to look at him and go, uh, are you really ducking out of practice? Because, God, if this is true, I, I mean, I can't imagine it. Can you imagine the Green Bay Packers ever saying to Jordan Love, you know what, don't worry about studying. Go ahead and worry about your, you know, your your hip-hop career and, and being a rapper. And, and I'm sure that, you know, your natural talent will take over, right? I, I, can't, I just, <laughs> excuse me, I can't see that. Not I, a, I just, I, but then again, it's Jim Irsay. Not a rap career, maybe a polka band career. You, you want to start a, a polka band to play festivals and such, <laughs> you know, during Oktoberfest season, maybe that would fit a little bit better in Green Bay. Right? Rap would be tough, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, man, I just, uh, I can't, I can't even fathom it. Can't even fathom it. Uh, we had mentioned it. Matt Lafleur yesterday at the podium, answering all the questions about the rosters and everything that's going on, and the trade possibilities yesterday with Jonathan Taylor and news breaking. Here's Matt Lafleur meeting with the media. Sleeping, Simon? No, I was just okay. Power nap. All right. <laughs> Good evening. Good evening. Man, you ever had a roster this young going into Week One? I don't believe so, but uh, no, we're excited about the guys. I thought. That all these guys, it was it was a really competitive camp, and uh, the guys that are here earned the right to stay here. So I'm excited about the group, and certainly we got um, you know a lot of work still left to do, and um, I'm sure there's there's going to be a lot of learning along the way. But I feel really good about just the overall speed, athleticism, and guys that love football and love to compete. And running back, we all talked about asking both the number three back and pass protection and special teams and all these things. Um, obviously, Manuel stood out as a runner big time. What, what did you? What was the decision then? Uh, just he had he had a good preseason. I thought um, you know he's got really good vision. I thought he ran with uh, really good contact balance and 
was able to make people miss and showed some speed in the open field. Uh, and certainly he's still got a long way to go in terms of all that other stuff, adding value on teams and in pass pro, just making sure that the trust is there, that he'll be able to pick up all the different exotic pressures that you may see throughout the course of the season. But, um, you know, he's a guy that's worked hard from day one, and he's learned from a good group in front of him. Well, he, he was a guy that came in day one and competed and just putting in great effort. And then I thought just you could tell when he got out into the game, it wasn't too big for him. I thought he was super competitive both in the run or in the passing game, obviously making some very tough contested catches, but also in the run game with just how we emphasize the run blocking and the physicality he showed. And, you know, he, he grinded to learn the system as fast as he could. And he's still got a long ways to go, but I think he's he's off to a good start. What gave Whalen the edge in the punting competition? And as a coach, just how much of a concern is it going into the season with your kicker and punter both making their debuts week one? Yeah, I, I mean, quite, quite honestly, he earned it. And it was a great competition. And we, we've got so much... Um, respect for Pat and what he was able to bring to us, not only as a player, but as a guy in the locker room. Um, so, I, I, but I just thought Daniel did a, a great job and he's he's shown, he's got a huge leg and there's a lot of upside there. And again, a young player, but um, like I said, just a lot of upside. Talking about coming in day one as a rookie, you've got a few guys who've done that, but Jaden Reed came in and has just seemed to be a starting slot since day one. What is it about his makeup that makes him so consistent, especially at this age? Uh, just similar to like Malik, it's, the game's not too big for him. And he came in and with the right mindset and um, just he's a guy that likes to be challenged. And we continually challenge him on a daily basis. And he's he's up to this point has answered all the challenges and Still got a lot to learn, but um, I like how he's come along. I like how he approaches every day. I think Vrabel's done a great job with him, and he's he's developing a rapport with Jordan, which is obviously very important. So um, just a really good, young, exciting player. Matt, I know they haven't done anything yet in terms of you know live games, games that count, but could this be one of the maybe better rookie classes you've been around with? You look at what you've got so far out of camp. Yeah, potentially, uh, but they got to go out and earn it, and they, you do that by putting the work on on a daily basis. But I think collectively, just if you could summarize the group, it's a, a group of guys that love football, and you can see it by the hours they put in. Um, they hang around the facility, even when we're out of meetings. Uh, just trying to learn and get better. And they, they also understand that uh, they're going to be counted on for us this year. With uh, Rashawn last week, I mean, he looked like he was kind of back to form during his, that week of practice. Um, as a coach, when you see a guy, a, a, you know what he's coming off of, but you see what he's already done, um, is that going to be a tough balance to strike of playing time here in a couple weeks, or is, you just let the guy go loose? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put him on a pitch count. I mean, we're going to be smart with him, uh, knowing that this is a marathon and, um, you know, working with our athletic training staff in terms of just 
how much volume we want to get give him. But uh, yeah, I, I really like just he, he's another guy that attacks it the same way every day, and he's going to go a hundred miles an hour, and sometimes we have to pull him back because he's going to keep going. So um, he is he is just he's one of our dogs and one of the lead dogs and. Um, you can't have enough guys like him. With all the youth that you have and all that learning there is to, to come, how much do you brace yourself for? There's going to be moments that are not maybe up to the standards, going to be mistakes that you don't have with a veteran team. Like how, how much do you have to brace yourself for that going into this? I, I think you just each moment in stride and try to continue to learn and grow no matter what the outcome. And you can't get totally focused on, on the outcome. you got to be I'm a process-driven guy anyways, and I think our coaches and players are as well. And so you just take everything in stride and, and try not to, um, you know, I never want to put a label on this group or, or box us in a corner and say what we can and cannot do. I mean, we're going to keep pushing them and push them as far as they can go. Matt, it is, it is your job to figure out the best way to make them successful, obviously. So as a coach... When you are this young, especially on the offensive side of the ball, do you have to coach differently? Are there different ways that you have to kind of tweak your coaching style to fit the, the young group that you have? Well, I think everything about coaching is just learning your players and how do they best respond. And some guys will respond to a foot up their ass, and some guys are going to need you know, to put an arm around them. And just that's just the way it is. That's, that's the way players are. And uh, it's our responsibility to try to learn these guys and also learn what they do best and try to and showcase that by the positions that we put them in. And um, are we going to have to scale back sometimes? Maybe. I don't know. Um, we're kind of getting into that whole game plan process right now. And um, we'll kind of just... You just got to be open-minded to me and, and throughout the course of the season, knowing that you're going to evolve. And um, it's always the fine line of, of just, you know, what's too much for, I think, any team that you're on, whether you're old or young. And, again, just trying to put these guys in the best position possible. I, I know we all have hypotheticals in here. If this is a Wednesday of, of game week, is Romeo practicing? Is it still more precautionary holding him out? you want the injury report? Because you'll get that on Monday. Yeah, I know. It was very clever. We'll see. Matt, you've talked a few times about the challenges of playing tight end at this level as a young player, and you keep two tight ends and Josiah is that hybrid guy. Then you go and add a tight end, and he's an undrafted free agent guy. How how are you approaching that position, given how vital it is to what you guys like to do offensively? Yeah, I think that's one of our things that we're kind of working through right now is just because you don't want to overload these guys and uh, have them playing slow. I think that's, you know, you want them out there playing confident, playing fast. Um, and so that's, I, I would say that's one of the challenges right now from a coaching standpoint in terms of how much do we give these guys and um, how much are we going to implement in, into our plan. Matt, what stood out Yeah, he's a disruptive pass rusher, and it showed pretty consistent, I would say, throughout practices. And then we, when he got in the game, he made the most of his opportunities. And that's that's a very loaded room right now, um, which is a great problem to have. 
we've all been in situations where you didn't have many guys that could rush a passer, and now we got we got. I feel like pretty confident that we got a room full of guys that can do that. So um, it's a great luxury, and and it's going to be a very competitive situation throughout the course of the season to earn snaps, to get out there, to earn the right to go rush the passer, and. Um, we're going to have to play in order to even earn the right to rush the passer. You got to play great run defense on, on first and second down to get the offenses in those situations where you're going to you're going to um, drop back and pass. Matt, I asked Goody about this earlier. Um, how much flexibility do you have as a coach because of the expanded practice squads and the ability to shuttle guys? Like, in theory, you got Patrick Taylor back, so if you want him to play special teams against the Bears, you call him up, and you have that luxury. You don't have to put a manual in, in that kind of spot. Just how much does it help you to have those kinds of options at your disposal? Yeah, I think it's it's provided a lot of flexibility around the league in terms of how you want to manage your roster. And, um, I mean, the... The way you look at it is it's really a 69-man roster and with the call-ups. and um, So, yeah, it affords you a ton of flexibility. Two more, please. You've been at a lot of places, had a lot of different teams. Out of training camp, expectations, feel for the team. How often does that line up with what you end up seeing throughout the course of the four-month season? I don't read any of the, any of the stuff you guys want to write about. So, um, you know, my expectations are and I've said it many times, is show up each and every day with the mentality that we're going to get better and we're going to continue to improve. And that's what I want to see on a daily basis. And that's what we're going to see. And that's what we're going to see from this team. But I'm not going to make some grandiose uh, prediction. That's just not how, how I roll. We've asked you a bunch about that, that second starting safety spot. What do you think of the camp Savage has had? Does he seem kind of on the way to maybe bounce back from last year? Yeah, I think he's had a really nice camp. Um, you know, he's just, again, attacking it the right way on a daily basis. And, um, you know, he's put together, He's he's been much more consistent, I would say, throughout the course of it. And he's got to maintain that because the one thing I know about this league, as soon as you relax for one second, you either your play slips or somebody's bypassing you. So you got to have that mentality on a daily basis. And I think that's that's what he's had throughout the course of, you know, when he was here in the during OTAs, throughout training camp, and, you know, in his limited uh, snaps that he's had uh, throughout the course of the preseason. Thank you, guys. There you go. That's uh, Matt LaFleur yesterday. Not going to give you the game plan, not going to give you the injury report. You're just going to have to kind of wait and see. Uh, concerns, obviously, about uh, the youth on this team. And as he kept saying, we're just going to have to keep challenging them. But there is a process to all of this to where you have to take it slow and you can't overload them to just completely knock away their confidence. So Matt LaFleur uh, walking, and he, he kind of made that point a couple of times and saying, we got to, it's fluid. I mean, I know that's been the, the term used throughout the training camp so far and uh, go now going into the regular season, but it is. You can't go too fast. You can't overload too much. You can't drain, drain their confidence as being a young offensive group because you don't want to lose them via the process. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. Good stuff from Matt LaFleur. Interesting stuff to uh, to talk about as well. If you want to join us, uh, please go ahead and do so. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. 
We are live. We are down here at the Harley-Davidson Museum getting ready for the big weekend. And Sunday, we leave from here at 11 a.m. Kickstands up. Be a part of the motorcycle ride coming up this Sunday for Fisher House, Wisconsin, the largest ride in the state of Wisconsin. And we're efforting for over 1,100 bikes this year. We would love to have on site. We can fit 3,000 down here, so we've got plenty of room. They're having a pancake breakfast and such over at Motor. And then as we get on with the ride after the first leg or so, uh, you go down to the uh, the Rock Complex in Franklin. They're going to have the food trucks down there. The Penny Bar is the next stop. They're going to have the VFW that are going to be grilling up burgers and brats and hot dogs. Then after that, you go to Knucklehead. They have their full menu that's going to be on tap there. Stoll's all one and nine the same. And then we're going to have our friends from Boondocks uh, that are going to be out at Steel Tank Brewing in Oconomowoc. Steel Tank's going to be doing a special menu. Boondocks is bringing in the barbecue and the brew. Cheap Shots are bringing the band. We're going to be dealing out the poker hands, giving away prizes. We have a flyover coming up. All kinds of great stuff. It's going to be a great day. We do it for Fisher House, Wisconsin, benefiting military members, veterans, and their families. So please join us. More of the Bill Michael Show live down here at the Harley Museum coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. It is a picture-perfect day. We are live. We're at the Harley Davidson Museum, downtown Milwaukee. And it is the site of the HDQ this weekend. But uh, more importantly to us, it is also the start point. The start point for the motorcycle ride this coming weekend. Uh, benefiting Fisher House, Wisconsin, veterans, military members, and their families. We can't do this without you, please. And I, I, I hated to make this thing into an infomercial, but we've only got a couple of days left to push this thing. So please come down and join us. We can't emphasize it enough if you know and if you don't ride that's fine if you know somebody who does please tell them uh we do have a couple of cars that are going to be following so if you just you know you really want to be a part of it and all you have is a, a vehicle uh come on down come on down we'll throw an american flag on your car you can follow behind and uh, and at the very least be a part of the first stop and uh, then uh, you know kind of head out to steel tank brewing after the fact and uh and be a part of the post-ride party and we are taking donations as well out at uh, Steel Tank Brewing and Oconomowoc for Fisher House. But uh, our goal is to get to $25,000 this weekend, and uh, we, can't, we can't do it without you. So please, please, uh, if you can, come out and help us out. Um, so, you know, again, there's a lot of discussion over on the live stream, and I didn't get to all of this. Um, <laughs> Mike said, did Matt LaFleur just say that he doesn't read any of the stuff uh, that you guys write, meaning the writers and, and things? Uh, kind of a jerk thing to say. It's, no, it's it's kind of letting, uh, God, how do I put this? Do they read it? No, not really. A lot of the coaches, they don't have time, man. If they sat down and read everything that was written about them, in whether it's a Journal Sentinel, the State Journal, the blogs, uh, the Packers News, uh, the Green Bay Press Gazette, they... Not lying, because he doesn't read it. But I'll tell you this, uh, and this I know. If 90% of the stuff, it's written, it's no big deal, you know. But if there's something there that they don't agree with, if there's something there that is um, like insider rumor and they're kind of blindsided by something, or but but they pay attention. 
<laughs> you better believe they pay attention. Uh, so, you know, it's like Aaron Rodgers used to call everybody, uh, you know, in the media, white noise. Remember that? Remember that comment? You're white noise. It's just white noise. Keep the noise out. It, we're the noise. But yet he would take things specifically that was said, whether it's on talk radio or in a blog or in a podcast or written down, and suddenly it was a thing. It was it was a chip on his shoulder. It was something that he was pointing a finger at to say, aha, that type of thing. Uh, believe me, they know. Believe me. You know why? Because you don't walk around as a player in Green Bay or any player for that matter and not have somebody, a friend, family member, wife, brother, kid, well, whatever, somebody, somebody in the organization, somebody close to you, whatever, somebody will tell you, hey, did you hear what was said about you? Hey, did you see what was written about you? Did you read Did you read the story about you? Or did you hear what some, so-and-so said about you? Oh, believe me. Believe me, they know. Oh, my God, yes, they know. 877-867-1670. Uh, if you want to give us a shout, do it. I uh, would love to hear from you. Like I said, coming up a little bit later on today, we got Paul Charchi in, too. Charchi is going to be joining us, and we'll, we'll talk with him uh, about, uh, you know, fantasy football stuff. So, um so, you know, when you – when you let me ask you – let me go to Grant. Grant, so you said you got a three takeaways coming out of the uh, Matt, LaFleur, uh, Matt LaFleur presser. What were your takeaways coming out of that? Well, I wrote down three things that I think are important. He said that Rashawn Gary is going to be on a pitch count, uh, which isn't totally surprising. He's mm-hmm. coming back off a, a blown-up knee. I'm more curious when Rashawn Gary's not out on the field, like if they're only playing him, you know, 30 to 50% of snaps right. – which guy is is then sliding in for those reps? Is it Lucas Van Ness and Igbare Cox? Like I, I want to see which one of these players jumps up and takes that opportunity think, of extra playing time. I gotta think it's Enigbare. Don't you? Don't you think it's Enigbare? Because he played decently last year. He played pretty well at times. He's the safe bet. Yeah, you gotta I think it's think. him, right? Yeah. But who knows? You know, Van Ness. Yeah. Maybe he lucks into a couple of a couple of good games early on in his NFL career. I know they really like. Brenton Cox. So I just, I don't know. I'm excited to see which player kind of steps yeah. up in that absence early on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Lucas Van Ness is going to get his opportunities, but also I think, um, now now you tell me, but I didn't see anything dynamic out of Lucas Van Ness in the preseason. No. There was nothing there that made me go, wow. He's, you know, he is very much like Rashawn Gary. He is going to be a, a, a bit of a, a, a lump of clay that they're going to mold they're changing kind of the way he plays football because he was a, a, a you know a finger on the ground guy and now he's a stand-up guy he's got to get down over those pads uh he's got to get lower pad level he's got to get a little bit lower lean to him but i think they, they're going to work him in but i don't i don't foresee lucas van Ness becoming this this you know full-time like a third of the snaps contributor i think he's going to get a few snaps here and there and for the most part it'll be, probably be angabari right I would, I would think so, yeah. And, and yeah. you know, we could then yeah. have a longer conversation about Joe Barry. Joe Barry, how do you best set up Lucas Van Ness to be useful? Even if he's only playing, right. you know, X number of snaps early on, how can you do your best to put him in a position to succeed where he doesn't have to think too much or he doesn't have to be, you know, responsible for too much? Because that's the defensive coordinator's job. You want to put your guys in position to succeed. Absolutely. So what were the other uh, couple of uh, points that you had? Well, I just wrote down the quote from Matt LaFleur. Some guys will respond to a foot up their ass, which I I agree with. I think some people are motivated by that. I just have a hard time picturing Matt LaFleur putting a boot up someone's ass. He's not the most intimidating guy in the world. Maybe Rich Bisaccia handles that. I don't know. Well, here's the other thing, though. When he first got there, 
he was the no-nonsense guy. He, I mean, he's he's not an intimidating coach. It's not like he's going to walk up to you and whoop your ass. But he was very firm. And I, I still, I go back to some of the things he did with Aaron Rodgers, almost purposefully to say, this guy is not going to run me, so you're not going to run me if he's the face of the franchise. But then, obviously, acquiescing over a period of time over the last two years. But if he returns to that guy, and he's had a little more brashness to him. So I'm kind of like, you know, if he's returning to be that guy, then, yeah, I can see him maybe, you know, kind of, you know, calling a few people out, and, uh, you know, as he says, the foot up the ass type of thing. I, I can I can kind of see that. And that was – that that's old Matt LaFleur. That's not the, the, the softer, gentler, kinder version that we've seen over the last couple of years. That's the older Matt LaFleur, and I like that. Yeah, and I, I think of what it must have been like to coach Aaron Rodgers. I mean, think of it this way, Bill. Think of, of yourself. You've been at a radio station for – 30 years and you've had a great radio show you've won awards you've made plenty of money like you are you are firmly in right you know successful and then all of a sudden a new program director comes in and it's their first ever job and and they're good at it but what are they going to tell you you know what i mean like what are they are they going to come crack down on right. you you've been doing it longer than they've been a manager so that was matt lafleur's situation i think matt lafleur will be well-served by having younger players who haven't been in the league longer than he's been a coach. I, I think that'll be very nice for him this year. So what was your third piece of information that you wrote down? Bakhtiari's management. Uh, and we've heard that this is new. We've heard this over and over. But, you know, he said it's going to be a fluid situation. We've learned that by now. He's not practicing today, so he's getting a day off. And then they're going to give him the long, long weekend. Even if Bakhtiari plays 17 regular season games, Bill, and he plays really well, he might not practice at all, so now it's going to be really important for, I don't know, Caleb Jones or Yash Nijman. That backup left tackle position, it's almost going to be like an understudy role this year, and that's going to be really important because they're going to have to keep things together and keep things feeling normal in practice on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, yeah, I, I that I agree with. It's, um, you know... I don't – this this also – Mike Clemens brought this up, and I never really went along with this, but I'm kind of leaning more and more towards it. Do you feel this is precautionary to get the most out of David Bakhtiari, which I, I believe I believed firmly in? Or do you think this is something is wrong and they're just trying to preserve him? Um, leaning closer and closer to, to, to the latter part day by day. Because, man, Bill, he's yeah. he's barely practicing at all. And I know he doesn't really need it. Um, but I, I, I don't think all is, is perfect and well and good, uh, but I think he could still play 17 games. It's just, it's pretty wild how little he's practicing. Like Mercedes Lewis, he'd get every Wednesday off, you know, Veterans Day arrest. That's not what this is. This is different. Right. This is next level. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit, by, I just, I, I don't, I, I get that Bakhtiari you want to preserve, and I know we're late for a break. I get that Bakhtiari you want to preserve, but, Boy, that's a fine line between him actually needing to do any kind of work and not practicing, not keeping in rhythm. Not, 
I, I don't know. Let, let's do this. We'll stay, We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. we got a whole lot more to get to. Bill Michael Show. We're broadcasting live down here at the Harley-Davidson Museum in Milwaukee. got the ride coming up this weekend. If you want to be a part of it, uh, you can right there on the uh, live stream. You can see the QR code. Please scan it. Get pre-registered. That's the only way to win some of the prizes for pre-registration. However, if you decide you don't want to pre-register, that's fine. Come on down. You can still register day of. Kickstand's up at 11. Everything opens up at 8 a.m. 25 bucks a rider right here at the end of Canal Street. They're going to have a pancake breakfast here coming up uh, on Sunday morning. And then we culminate the ride out at Steel Tank Brewing in Oconomowoc after 95-plus miles. And then we have a party. So please come and join us. It's a big unit poker run benefiting Fisher House, Wisconsin, this coming Sunday. We'll see you down here. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Perfect day. Hey, I got to say thanks to a lot of the sponsors that are part of the motorcycle ride coming up this weekend, which uh, first and foremost are friends from the museum, Water Doctors, uh, our friends from Veterans America, Potawatomi Hotel Casino, obviously our stops, the Rock Complex, Penny Bar, Knucklehead, Stolzo 1 and 9, our friends at Steel Tank Brewing. Long time with us, 16 years. Bud Light's been a huge sponsor, and the Beachwood Distributors here in Milwaukee been a big distributor and uh, helped with us uh, for so many years, 16 years, all 16 years. Thanks to them for being a part of it as well. So uh, thanks to all of our, our local sponsors also for helping us out regarding the motorcycle ride coming up here this Sunday. So please, if you uh, have not pre-registered, that's okay. You can still come on down and uh, still get registered the day of, 25 bucks a person, and it's going to be a great time. And if your rider doesn't want a poker hand, well, then it's only 25 bucks for your bike, and that's it. So it's it's real easy. So good stuff. Um, so, Grant, I want to go back to something you talked about uh, when you made the note of the uh, the foot up the ass and uh, Matt LaFleur saying that he you know he, he could possibly do that that there's going to be different ways to do that and you said he doesn't seem like that kind of a guy um, do you when you look at this team uh, because uh, the, the question was brought up uh, via email is this an undisciplined team do you look at this team as being an undisciplined team or a team that, the, you know, because to me in football, it's always the fear of losing your job. I mean, that that's the number one motivator. But do you fear, do you feel that this team has any fear of Matt LaFleur when it comes to being a hard-nosed coach? Uh, like it's I, an undisciplined team? I, I don't know about fear of Matt LaFleur. I don't think they're undisciplined. I know Quay Walker got tossed last year twice, but I don't think that's some indictment on everybody else. I, I think if anything, Bill, right. sometimes they show up uh, a little too disciplined. They, there's not enough energy and there's not enough, uh, I don't know, oomph. Like the 49ers, they show up with, yeah. they they show up like they want to kick your ass. And the Packers don't often show right. up like that. But no, I, I don't think they're undisciplined. I, you know, because I, I sit here and I, now I hate to do this in the comparison, but I sit there and I watch Hard Knocks and you watch Robert Sala. And Robert Sala, he looks the part. He looks like, you know, at some point in time, you may whoop his ass, but it's going to be a hell of a scrap. He's probably going to get his shots in. I, you don't do that with Matt LaFleur. And I don't know if machismo, when it comes to that, has anything to do with it, to be perfectly honest with you. But um, Matt is more soft-spoken. 
Now, he may scream and yell a little bit and get fired up and riled up, and I've seen that, you know, a time or two when I've been at practice uh, over the years. But um, he he doesn't have that same Robert Sala oomph. Uh, But a lot of the position coaches do. And sometimes it's your position coach that you deal with more. And, and I, you know, when Gary Ellerson and I did the postgame show, we w- I would talk with Gary and he'd say, yeah, you know, head coaches, they give you the rah-rah speeches. But for the most part, you know, the head coaches are all over. It's, your guy is your position guy. That's the guy that's, you know, kind of, quote, in your, in your rear end, so to speak. So I don't look at this team because somebody said, well, is this team undisciplined? I don't look at this team as undisciplined. I agree with you. I think sometimes being a young team, they're very disciplined, and sometimes they don't play with instinct. They play with the very disciplined side of things when it comes to uh, being assignment sure and, and only doing what you're supposed to do, and I get that, but sometimes it's the instinct of being a football player that allows you to expand just a little bit. You don't want to get crazy because you don't want to do too much and then lose sight of your own responsibilities, but uh, but I, that I agree with you with. Uh, but I, to answer the you know Steve's question, I, I don't think that this – team is undisciplined so just an fyi uh this is our buddy steve in richfield who says uh, first of all good luck on the ride and a fundraiser for the fisher house wisconsin this weekend although i cannot attend i made a donation to the fantastic cause for all the listeners please never forget the veterans and what they've sacrificed disappointing loss for the crew yesterday let's hope the mini slump is mini and they get two out of three over philly this weekend i hope that the enjoying the day off because today they've got 29 games and 31 days coming up yeah, only a couple of days off because today's the last day of August, only two days off in the month of September. Like what the Packers have done this entire offseason, the proposed trade of A.J. Dillon and the bat and the draft pick for J.T. is intriguing, although Dillon is a fan favorite. Goody has always strived to do what's best for the team. I still think there's a trade in the works uh, for one of the offensive linemen before it's all said and done. What do you think of the compensation would be for a fifth or sixth round pick? Have a great ride and a holiday weekend. Respect the hell out of all the tireless efforts and such for the veterans. Steve in Richfield. Steve, appreciate the email very much. Uh, let's do this. We're late for a break. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Got a lot more to get to. We are broadcasting. And don't forget, also, get your fantasy football questions in. Bring it. Start. Hit us up on Twitter. Email your fantasy football questions to us. If you got a draft coming up, get it. Because Paul Charchian's coming up. We'll talk with Paul about some of the better picks. We'll talk about to Paul about some of the guys that are out there, but they're banged up as well. Maybe starting on the pup list if you haven't paid attention stay tuned we got should you draft those guys that's a big question for a lot of people because some guys are on the pup list right now like a jonathan taylor should you be drafting those guys stay tuned we got to museum in milwaukee coming up next Michael we are live. We're at the Harley-Davidson Museum, downtown Milwaukee. Picture perfect day, getting ready for the motorcycle ride coming out of here on Sunday. This coming Sunday, the uh, registration opens up on-site at 8 a.m. Bikes leave here at 11 a.m. There's going to be a pancake breakfast and all kinds of things going on down here at the Harley-Davidson Museum. So uh, please be a part of the motorcycle ride for our veterans coming up this weekend for Fisher House, Wisconsin. Please pass the word along to everybody you know when it comes to motorcycles. And we're looking to set a record this year, more than 1,100 bikes we would love to have 
And if you have not gotten pre-registered yet, you can still do it uh, by all means. Just go to Facebook.com slash Big Unit Poker Run. Facebook.com slash Big Unit Poker Run. And uh, you can find it there as well. Uh, Paul Charchian coming up here in just a little bit. Charchian's coming up here top of the hour, right, uh, right Grant? High noon. Top yep, of the you hour. got it. Grant, high noon. few minutes away. Paul Charchian. So get your fantasy football questions in. Coming here in, in just a couple of minutes. And uh, I'll find out how well I have done thus far, uh, according to Charge, at least, when it comes to the uh, fantasy football draft that I've been participating in. So we'll get into that coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, this is from uh, Mark. Mark says, uh, do you really believe that Lucas Van Ness is going to be any kind of an impact player this season? It took Rashawn Gary a couple of years before he began to get really good. I don't... Um, that's a great question. I, we, I don't know if it's going to be really good. I, when you draft somebody in the first round, you expect them to become an impact you know, player and, and somebody that's a starter, you know. The luxury the Packers have is he doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be an impact player. He doesn't have to be a starter right now. He can learn. He can transfer, transform himself, if you want to call it that, positionally. Um, I, I guess I'm dancing around answering your question because if you pin me down, would I say he's going to be an impact player? I'd say early on, no. No. Um, but early on, we said the same thing about Rashawn Gary, and I, I, I mean, I admit that I was wrong on Rashawn Gary. I never thought he'd become the player that he was just before, you know, prior to him going down with a knee injury. He really developed incredibly well over time. Now, is he's he's not the you know, don't get me wrong. He's not the next coming of Reggie White, but Lucas Van and Lucas Van Ness is not coming into the the league with the reputation of say a Nick Bosa. But I, yeah, I think he can develop, and and there's nothing to say he can't make big plays here and there. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if you're going to be talking about this impactful you know, pressure player that people look at and go, wow, you know, this is a guy you have to account for every time you step on the field. I don't think he's that guy. Uh, he's going to develop into that. You hope he develops into that guy. But I don't think he's that guy right now. But like I said, he doesn't have to be. You have a luxury of developing him. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It doesn't make Lucas Van Ness any less value, any you know, less valuable. It, it just makes him a very talented player who doesn't come into the league with a ton of pressure on him to be the first-round draft choice and perform right away and ultimately have the pressure, if he doesn't, of being this, quote, bust. He can just kind of take his time, mature, and grow into the position. So I I don't know. Um, I, I, I think when you look at Lucas Van Ness, he's going to be a rotation guy depending on who you have on the field at the time. And that's a good thing, You'll, which means Joe Barry, and I hate to say it this way because I'm sure everybody rolls their eyes when I say it, but that means Joe Barry has to be the guy, the coordinator, that puts Lucas Van Ness in the right position to be successful, if that makes sense. Uh, coming up after the top of the hour, Paul Charchi, and we're going to talk with the Charge. Also, Matt LaFleur, we heard from his presser last night, Matt LaFleur has spoken today. That's coming up at the bottom of the hour, so stay tuned for that. You can hear today's presser as uh, some other you know things have been done regarding the roster, and uh, we'll see if things have changed at all. 
But uh, nevertheless, we'll hear from Matt LaFleur coming up here at the bottom of the hour as well. So stay tuned. But if you got a fantasy football question, hit us up. The charge is right around the corner just after the top of the hour. Stay tuned. We are broadcasting live. Harley-Davidson Museum, man. It is a beautiful day. So if you're out and about in the Milwaukee area, come on down and say hello. You can also, there's posters all over the campus down here. You can uh, just scan the QR code on the posters and get pre-registered right here on site. And if, say, you don't want to do that, you don't want to pre-register, that's fine. Still come down on Sunday morning. 8 a.m., registration opens up, kickstands up at 11, pancake breakfast, museum, shops, brotherhood, sisterhood. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great time. Two hours down, two hours to go. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next.